You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. We made it through the entire NFL season in this pandemic, and every game was played. The NFL will probably pat themselves on the back for getting this done. Yeah, not to mention there was 18 games that had to, had to get messed around, and you know, there's a playoff game in question right now. But uh, anyway, it's all good. We're here. It's playoff time. And with playoff time came uh, Black Monday. We'll talk about some coaches. We'll talk about the games. Uh, first, let me bring in my partner here, Alex. Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's 2021, officially. Um, I'm excited to get started. This is the best time of the year because we have the NFL playoffs coming up. And it looks like the Texans finally found their GM of the future. GM of the future, the past. They've been after this guy, it seems like, for for many years. Uh, Nick Casario, uh, director of uh, personnel at the, with the Patriots. They blocked him last year from going. So I'm not really sure how this all came down. But I guess the, the interesting part is this. Three of these jobs were open. Now there's six. Quite frankly, there may be a couple more. I don't know. There's a couple. You know, one of these playoff teams, coaches, and we'll talk about this later, may not be safe. The one name that was speaking loudly because he hadn't been mentioned is Josh McDaniel. And now you've got Nick Patriot Casario going to Houston. Deshaun Watson's first tweet is something's never changed. So if that says anything... Uh, I don't know. What do you think? You think you think McDaniel's finally going to get that chance? You know, he spurned the Colts, but uh, what 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 do you think? I think he's going to stay with the Patriots. I just think behind closed doors, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels have already agreed to things. I'm not one of those people that believes that Bill Belichick is going to continue coaching. I don't think he's going to be a head coach of the Patriots for the next 20 years. I think he's going to walk away in the next three years, and I think McDaniels is waiting for that chance. That's the reason why he spurned the Colts. That's my thinking. I know, Lou, you probably think differently. Well, certainly he's not going to coach 20 years. I think uh, Bill's pushed is well into his 60s. But he, he's going to coach, I think, as long as his health holds up. And it has never been a question. I don't see him stepping away. And I don't see the Crafts asking him to step away unless unforeseeable happens and they just become you know, a really bad team, which... You know, they weren't that good this year, and they probably won't be for another another couple of years. What they have to look at is how poorly they have drafted, how poorly they've drafted the skill positions. They haven't drafted a pro bowler. I can't even remember the last time. I think that's pretty much why Brady left, is that he had no weapons, and he knows that he's a heck of a lot closer to the end of his career than the beginning, and those two were tied at the hip. Bill Belichick, what's he going to do? He's not going to go into TV. He he seems like, a, a you know, when they get him off script, he can be kind of an engaging guy, but I don't see him going into TV. He is going to coach until he can't. And I, I'm firmly convinced of that. So as far as McDaniel's concerned, this may be his only shot because he has a colleague in the building because, you know, like you said, and I agree with that, is that I don't think any team, you know, looked at that as a professional thing to do is just, you know, accept a job, hire a staff pretty much, and then say, eh, forget it. I don't want to do this. I, I just think if he is going to leave ever, this is going to be it. Speaking of the AFC East, it now belongs to the Buffalo Bills, who won the this division. And according to Bovada Sportsbook, the Buffalo Bills are minus seven at home versus the Indianapolis Colts during this wild card weekend. So that's the first game that we're going to break down on this show. And it looks like the Bills are just, they're an oiled machine. I don't think there's anybody except for the Chiefs that is going to stop them. But if anybody has a shot, I think the Colts do because 
They play good defense, and they found their running game around week 11, week 12. The rookie out of Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor, has been unstoppable. A lot of it has to do with that offensive line. They're also playing better. I still don't trust Phillip Rivers in the fourth quarter when the game is close, and Josh Allen is just playing lights out right now, Luke. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about him and his development and where he is, and he it seems like he keeps ascending as the weeks go, go on. The connection with Stefan Diggs is nothing sure. I mean, it looks like they've been playing together for years. So, and these other young, the younger receivers, Davis uh, from, from UCF, uh, John Brown came back last week. So, if he's healthy, there's, there's just one more weapon. You know, they can run the ball enough, you know, with Singletary and, and Zach Moss. Yeah, they're a very dangerous team right now. But, like you said, the Colts. Frank Wright going back to Buffalo. I mean, there might be some poetic justice here. And when we talk about picking the game, I think you'll you'll hear why. But, you know, they're, they're getting seven points, as you mentioned. It looks like a blowout, right? And typically, I don't care if it's a playoff game or not. Whenever you see that, there's usually something up. And if that line stays at seven... I am sticking with the Colts. Uh, I've bought into their running game. Their defense is a little bit better. Justin Houston, Buckner. I mean, they they can play. And I think they may not completely slow them down, but I think they'll make enough plays to keep the game close. And, you know, the Bills probably win the game, but uh, I think I'm going to go with the Colts plus seven. I like the Colts defense, but their Achilles heel is, is the secondary. Uh, they just don't have enough playmakers for me to say when when the Buffalo Bills get in those three, four wide receiver sets, uh, they're going to be able to match up with them. It's not all about Stefan Diggs. Like you mentioned, it's about Gabriel Davis. It's about John Brown making some plays in Week 17. Um, I think Cole Beasley is not going to play, right, in this game officially. I mean, that that's something that I heard that he was probably going to be out, but still... Even Dawson Knox at tight end, they have a lot of weapons, Lou. And I just don't think the Colts secondary is going to be able to to match up with them. And the Bills aren't going to run the football. They know they can throw it all over uh, the football field, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to rely on Josh Allen's strong right arm, and they're not going to put like you know Singletary and Zach Moss and all of a sudden turn into this this great running team. The one thing that the Bills also can do is they've got a great secondary of their own. They can shut down guys like T.Y. Hilton. I'm not sure that guys like Michael Pittman can step up in, in the most important game. And I just don't trust Phillip Rivers. It's almost guaranteed that he's going to throw a couple of picks. And it might be like a pick six. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills, minus seven. I think they will cover just based on what I've seen during this regular season, they're at home, they're in the cold. This isn't the Colts playing indoors here. Frank Reich isn't throwing those passes. It's Philip Rivers who is used to warm weather in California. And unfortunately, I just I think the Bills cover by a wide margin, so I am gonna buy into this and I'll I'll go against you here. A You're little. going for the blowout, okay? Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a blowout, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I feel you. I mean, it's 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 very difficult to go against, you know, a team that is just seems to be just rolling everybody. I mean, the Dolphins' defense is no joke, and they put up 56. I mean, just to give you an idea. Now, again, the word. And again, that's why the week 17 is such a difficult task when, you, when you're picking these games. And I think I had, you know, one of my picks was Buffalo minus four and a half going into the week. Well, that line changed. By Sunday, the Dolphins were actually favored by three because I guess the, the conventional wisdom was that Buffalo wasn't going to play all their starters. Or if they would, maybe it would be like the first quarter or like maybe treat it like a preseason game, but they didn't. You know, it turned out to be either way, you know, Buffalo rolls them. But but again, that defense is pretty good and to put up fifty six, that was that was very impressive. Um I'm sticking with the Colts though. Uh, maybe it's a, it's a heart thing. Maybe it's a, an anti-Chiefs bias thing. I don't know, but I'm going with the Colts plus seven. 
The Bills are the hottest thing in football right now. They are. Right they absolutely I mean, their are. Their offense is on fire. There's nothing stopping them right now. And I want to remind our listeners that the Bills lost that heartbreaking game against the Houston Texans in the wild card uh, last year. They lost by three points. I don't think that's happening this year. And I know that you're saying that the Bills will still win. It's just going to be by three or four points. But I just think the Bills are on a mission. And you mentioned the Dolphins, a team that knows the Buffalo Bills really, really well because Flores coached with the Patriots. He knows this offense and he knows this personnel and he wasn't able to match up with them with Tua or even if Fitzpatrick would have been available because he went on COVID list. The the Bills just look like a scary team and that's not a team that I would like to face in the playoffs. I wanted to ask you about a player. I don't I didn't know much about him coming in. Isaiah McKenzie. He seems to have stepped up his game and getting more opportunity. You mentioned if Cole Cole Beasley may not be playing as we record here on Wednesday. We don't know. We may not know till Saturday or you know if if Beasley is going to play. But Isaiah McKenzie, did you guys have him rated? Coming in? Yeah, he was rated. I think he was like top 40 wide receiver, but that's usually an undrafted free agent. Yeah. I mean, he was a guy that came out of Fresno State. He played with the Denver Broncos for a while. They actually had him on the roster. He was in spot duty. McKenzie actually produced for the Broncos, if you, if you look at his stats. And he was a big special teams player as well. And I know that going forward, if Beasley is out, then McKenzie moves on. This guy is is really quick. I think he ran like a 4-4 or something at at the Fresno State's Pro Day. And uh, he's got some juice to him. This is a guy that's been around for a while. And Denver knows all about him. And I just think that he's he's fully capable, like he proved during Week 17, that he can fill in for, uh, for a missing starter. All right, next game on Saturday, we've got the Rams going to the Seahawks. Third meeting, third meetings between teams, division rivals. I mean, this is going to be a tough game. And the big question, I guess, on everybody's mind, you know, is it going to be Wolford or is it going to be Jared Goff? (laughs) I've already forgotten about him. He didn't play one game. Or does it matter? Just the way the Rams play, does does it matter? I would hope it would matter a little bit. Experience does help. But with kind of a little bit of a wild card, you only got one game to look at tape on the guy. Maybe the changeup works in the Rams' favor. They always seem to play the Seahawks pretty tough. The Seahawks still is one of these confounding teams. It's like they're like Jekyll and Hyde, offense, defense. It's like they can't get them, you know, kind of to marry up. I mean, early in the season, their offense was rolling. Uh, Russell looked like he was going to win the, the MVP. And then all of a sudden, they, they hit this lull. The defense gets better. Dunlap comes in. Adams comes back healthy. And now they've got one of the best pass rushes in the league where that's all they struggled with. But now the offense can't score. They struggled with, with San Francisco last week. I mean, that game looked like you know it was going to be like a 10-7 game. You know, A bunch of points got scored late. That was kind of surprising that they couldn't, you know, get rolling there. So this is a tough one. I mean, it's going to be hard for me. You know, the Rams are getting, according to to Bovada, you know, the Rams are getting four points. You know, no fans in the stands. I I may have to get on the dog again here. No, the Seahawks are going to take this game. (laughs) I just don't know. I think if Jared Goff would be playing, this game would be closer, but he's not. It looks like John Wolfer is going to get the start because I just can't imagine how Goff is going to be able to come back that soon. It's like the Rams are keeping that mystery, but we know who's going to start and who's going to play in this game. The The Rams are missing a lot of pieces. It's not only about Goff. I don't think Cooper Cup is going to play, right? I mean, he's on we don't, COVID We don't know yet. Well. He may be able to play. They, I think maybe they were, they were hoping for a Sunday game, you know. but I think it, it's going to be close the way they're saying, depending on testing. The Rams have a great defense. That much yes. we know. They can stop some people. And the Seahawks aren't playing, uh, you know, great offensively. But the Seahawks still have Russell Wilson. It's Russell Wilson versus Wolford or even versus Goff. I have to take Wilson. I think he's going to cover that that four-point spread because they're at home. 
And I just think the Seahawks are no slouch at all on defense as well. They've played so well in the second half of the year. Jamal Adams is also a question mark. I mean, Pete Carroll is keeping that a mystery and he might not play. But I just, I believe in the Seahawks. They're a third seed. There's a reason why they won the the NFC West. And I just, I can't imagine John Wolford in his second start getting a wild card win. You can vote Sean McVay for president after that. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if that happens and he beats Pete Carroll, that's it. I'm, I'm voting for a new president. Okay. Well, th- there you have it, folks. Uh, again, Alex takes the home favorite. I'm going to take the dog. I'm going to take the four points. Actually, that line may even move by Sunday. So for some of you that actually care about this stuff and may wait till Saturday, to uh, see what that number is. It may bump up a little bit and you know, get a little bit more value, but uh, yeah, I'll still take the four points. I can't believe you're going against Russell Wilson. We picked him to be our MVP midseason. And this we is picked like, him to be you know, the had, midseason MVP. Okay, that was it wasn't like a it wasn't a, few, it wasn't a future show. projection. Like, it was okay at this time right now. Who is the MVP? What's going on? I mean, you're making life easier for the Chiefs. I mean, what is this? I mean, you're like <laughs> I love the underdogs. I can't I I can't help it. Fair enough, Lou. Fair enough. I mean, hey. I'm sure I'm going to go like 0-6 with all these picks just because I'm a rookie although, and, you know, it's a new thing. Although, and, although and course, you're going to go 6-0, I'll, I'll go 0-6. Yeah, although last week I don't think – I didn't take a single dog, although it did turn out that Buffalo was an underdog. Or no, I took the Chiefs, the Chiefs as an underdog, and that was just a, a homer pick. But I digress. How would you do last week? Uh, lost with Tennessee and uh, Kansas City. That was your best Well, with seven, so seven games, yeah. Yeah, so we actually, it, I did hit 500. 20 wins, 20 losses, one tie. Saturday night, the Bucks travel to the football team. Alex Smith, it looks like, is going to start again. Although, <laughs> Riverboat Ron throwing it out there that he might alternate quarterbacks. That, should, that would be interesting in a playoff game, but... Uh, Hey, it works for him, but Alex, I believe, is 5-1 and one as a starter this year with the football team. So Bruce Arians, I think he may have even mentioned that, that we don't look at them as a 7-9 and nine team with Alex. They're 5-1. and one. This is a good team. Plus 8.5, according to Bovada. Uh, Brady gets back to the playoffs. Uh, he has, I don't know, depending on who you listen to, either quietly or not so quietly, has had a pretty damn good year. One of his best, actually. The The Bucks are sitting in the playoffs, and again, they, they look like a team that is on a roll, on a mission. They, they're, they're hitting their stride, so to speak. Mike Evans may not play, but it uh, looks like Antonio Brown is starting to catch his wind and, and figure out his space in, in, in this Bucks offense. So it's, it's a very intriguing game because you've got one team that struggles to score but has just a killer defense. If you haven't guessed by now, I, th- I kind of like that defensive line. I like them to pressure Brady. Again, they may not win the game, but I'm pretty sure that eight and a half might even go higher. Uh, looks pretty enticing as a home game for the football team. What do you think? Minus eight and a half. That that's an intriguing. On the road, we're talking about this is where the Bucks against a starts. division champion. Who cares about that? I mean, does that really matter? I love the Washington story. It's it's been great. I thought they were going to go three and thirteen. Well. Along came Alex Smith, and that was the end of it. Ron Rivera realized that, even though he didn't go with him right away, right? I mean, it was Allen at first, and then it was Alex Smith. I think everybody— it's, every, it's a great story. But I think it's everybody was probably— I, mean, I think they were afraid to put him out there, quite frankly. And then uh, out of, but it's been a great story. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's tremendous. There's going to be a, terrific. I'm sure there's a movie in they the works were, already, and we've talked about this. Who will play Alex Smith, by the way? What the hell happened last weekend? I mean, that that's the point that I was trying to get to. This isn't about Washington. This is about the Eagles kind of surrendering the win in the fourth quarter. And the Giants uh, were irate about it. I mean, their head coach, their players, they were saying, that's Bush League. And the one thing that really bugged me, people tank. They do. Front offices do. I don't think players tank. 
But I do think head coaches, front offices, owners, they tank to get, you know, Andrew Luck in the draft like like the Colts did a while back when they were moving on from, from Peyton Manning. But what the hell is Doug Peterson going on TV and saying that I tried to win the game, so I inserted Nate Sudfeld in? That was a really weak argument i mean come up with something better doug you're a smart person you've been a head coach you've been in those media rooms that's the one thing lou that really bugged the hell out of me because and then he said i tried to give nate sodfeld some snaps so i mean pick a story were you trying to give him some snaps or were you trying to win the game that was really bush league as far as i'm concerned the explanation doug peterson could have went in that room and said i don't have to explain anything to you guys i went from the ninth pick in the draft to the sixth pick in the draft i can get a really good player with that sixth pick i'm not sure if i can get a really good player with that ninth pick that would have been a better explanation and i think people would have accepted it a lot more than than what he did by by lying on national television the way they they handled the situation was the worst. Nobody has to explain, you know, what moves they make on the field. I mean, it, that's your business. And it, it, as far as the Giants being irate, yeah, I get that, you know, for, for some reason. I guess not so much, you know, they don't make the playoffs. Okay, I get that. You had seven, 16 chances to win games. You won six. I heard Joe judge what, what he said. And, you know, the way he did it, it was very... Um, very diplomatic, and I think more so he was speaking not so much that he was outraged by what Philadelphia did, but more so speaking to his locker room and setting a culture where basically saying, we will never do anything like that. That was well handled. That's the way you handle a situation and speaking to your own team. As far as what Peterson did, you're right. I mean, it was, it was total BS. The NFL flexes the game into Sunday night, specifically. Now, you, like you said, a lot of teams tank. You're not going to say that. There's different ways of doing that. But if he would have come out and, and just started Nate Sudfeld, let him play the first quarter, let him play the first half, and then just say, this is the way we're handling week 17. We've got a lot of things to evaluate before the game or whatever. But you wait till the fourth quarter, it's almost like, or he, you know, somebody gets in his ear. Hey, it looks like we might win this game. Uh, you may want to change quarterbacks, or you may want to do something a little bit differently. I get it. You roll the dice a lot. That's your in, in your DNA. Fourth and goal. You're down three, but you know it's a tight game. You kick the field goal every time. Every any coach you you would have spoken to kicks that field goal, unless of course. You've got a, a seasoned quarterback. You've got, you know, you may get down there again or your defense is going to say, whatever. You can make any argument whatsoever. But at that point, you kick that field goal. He doesn't do that. And then he pulls the, the quarter, the rookie quarterback who came in. So now you're kind of damaging his psyche. Like he's got to be, Jalen Hurts has got to be thinking, what the hell is going on here? Do I really want to be here? <laughs> if they offer me that extension in a couple of years, I mean, this is going to sit in that locker room for a while. So that's why I'm saying, I don't think the coaching moves are done yet. It would not shock me in the least if Peterson, maybe even Roseman. I mean, I, I don't know what, what Lurie's going to do here. He's probably going to take his time, but that was completely mismanaged, and it was just a... It, the way talking about uh, gambling in the past was taboo, and now it's kind of gotten a little bit more mainstream as it's become legalized as far as the NFL is concerned. Tanking is one of those things. I don't know that it'll ever be discussed the way we talk about gambling in, in the NFL right now, but it's one of those things you never, ever... The first rule about tank club is you don't talk about tank club. No disrespect to Nate Sudfeld, but you've had him for years. To say that we wanted to get a look or he earned some snaps, come on, seriously? I think the <laughs> Eagles have already threw a coach under the bus. They asked Jim Schwartz to retire nicely. He was shown the door. I think it's pretty obvious that he was showing the door in that regard. I think Peterson and Roseman are going to get another year with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. 
because I can't imagine Carson Wentz being there. But as far as Washington and Tampa coming back there, Washington is the deserving winner here. I'm not going to take anything away from them. They've battled. I mean, that defensive line has played well. We love Alex Smith. But you know what? I'm taking the Bucks. <laughs> of course I just, you are. <laughs> I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a blowout, Lou. I I really do. This is why the Bucks were assembled. Their time is now. Even without Mike Evans, they've got Chris Godwin. They've got Antonio Brown. They've got Big Gronk. This is their time to shine. This is the reason why that all-star team was assembled. And Tom Brady, you know, he's going to be judged by taking this team to the Super Bowl or winning it. I mean, that's that's what he's always, in the grand scheme of things, that's what always people look at is Tom Brady. Has he won the Super Bowl this year? Even at 43. This is the reason why Bruce Arians brought him there. The Bucks are going to blow out Washington. And Chase Young is already talking about how he's he's looking forward to this matchup, how they're they're geared up. Chase Young has got to learn. You don't need extra bulletin <laughs> material for Arians and Tom Brady. Brady is going to shake your hand at the end or pat you on the back, but he's going to throw for like four or five touchdowns, and Washington isn't going to do that. That's the reason why I think Washington gets blown out at home because I don't think they're going to score more than seven or ten points, and the Bucks are going to score at least 28, Lou. If there's a blowout on the horizon – this is the type of game that you may know after the first quarter, you know, if it, what what the outcome is going to be. Because if if the football team can kind of hold them at bay or kind of stay close through the first quarter, through the first half, then you kind of get the sense that things start to tighten up a little bit, and they if they can get after Brady, get some sacks early, I think that starts to set a tone. If they don't, if the Bucks go right down and score on their first couple of possessions, then you know it's over. It's just gonna it's just gonna get ugly from that from that point on. So, yeah, it's it may be a roll of the dice, but again, I'm going with the dog here. It normally, doesn't happen that you know all three dogs on that particular day are gonna cover. And I, you know, I, I'm out on a limb here, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my boy Alex Smith. The story, the story, the story, and yes, it's an anti-Brady pick, so I'll, I'll admit it. I'm going to take the points with the football team. At least you're taking the home team this yeah. time, because before that, you They're were the road, taking road, the, the, the road dogs. Team. Yeah. So as we moved, we moved to Sunday, and this may be the most intriguing matchup of the weekend. And according to Bovada, we've got the Titans as three and a half point underdogs at home uh the titans as i'm sure everybody remembers went into baltimore last year with the crowd and kind of shut them down i mean they played pretty well offensively derrick henry again was a beast they couldn't stop him they didn't score a ton of points but they scored enough made plays when they had to they crushed them the tone of the team coming in is much different not just the you know, where the site of the game. I mean, obviously this year the game's in Tennessee, uh, but the Ravens last year was like, okay, we've got the MVP, we have the number one team, you know, whatever. We had the number one seed, you know, we didn't play last week. That kind of had the makings of, of, of a little bit of a disaster. I'm going to take the Ravens. I just think that this they've got revenge on their mind. Lamar Jackson remembers when they were at home, 14-2. and At home, they were supposed to get to the Super Bowl. Everybody was talking them up, and all of a sudden, the Titans just came in there and blew them out of the water. They're like, who cares if you won 14 games during the regular season? This is the playoffs. This is the new season. I don't think Mike Rabel has that magic left this year. I don't think they're going to catch people by surprise. I think the Ravens can contain Derrick Henry enough because they've got a very good defense. I think Lamar Jackson has gotten better in the last month of the season, and that's why I'm taking the Ravens on the road. How about you? Lamar's got to prove it to me that he can do it in the playoffs. I just, you know, again, it looks like one of those games where, you know, the Titans are just barely, you know, they're kind of limping in. It took a 
kind of a, I don't want to say a miracle play, but, you know, at the end of that game against Houston, I don't, I mean, it looks like it's going overtime and Tannehill just launches one downfield. The only chance they have is if their receiver gets behind the defense. And of course, Houston being Houston, (laughs) the guy gets behind him. Next thing you know, they're kicking a field goal, which, you know, barely, I mean, he like doinked it, but just on the inside of the post goes in and, hey, oh, geez, you know, Tennessee wins. And they looked horrible. But again, Derrick Henry carried the mail, did everything he had to do. Playoffs is different. I, you know, I don't know. I, I hope just for the sake of the league, the AFC, everything else that Lamar can kind of get over this hump. But until he does and shows in the playoffs that he can do what he needs to do to win the game, I got to go with the dog again here. They're getting three. They're at home. Granted, I don't know if Tennessee has fans or whatever. I don't even know that it's going to make a difference. I'm, I'm just not feeling it. They look unstoppable. They look like a team that should, I don't know about being favorites to win the AFC, but they, they just look so much better this year. But again, the one sticking point I have is Lamar Jackson. And when he has to, if he has to make a play with his arm, can he do it in the playoffs? He has not proved it yet. It may be in his head. We'll see, but I'm going to take the points. We've got a theme going so far. Lou and I have We're opposite gone in on every game. Opposite directions on all four games so well, far. Well, you're taking all the favorites. I'm taking all the dogs. And this was not preconceived. We did not have a production meeting, as they say, and uh, go Absolutely over all this not. stuff. We did not this know. Is, this that is it was all gonna go live. Like this. And, and by the way, Lou has taken a lot of the away teams, and he likes the underdogs in this. I am. Yeah, I'm going with the favorites, and I realize that they're also not going to go 4-0 here, but um, I just, I'm going with my heart, Lou, going with my heart. Really? I, I, I thought I was, but we definitely don't have the same heart. The middle game, and I believe this is the uh, special Nickelodeon version, so if you have kids, uh, let them watch the game in the other room on Nickelodeon and be entertained. Uh, the Bears are at the Saints. I think we both stand in the same camp on this one because I believe we both feel that the Bears are not a good football team. They're not a playoff caliber football team. Yes, they got in. They backed their way in when Arizona lost. Yeah, they won some games. They scored some points against some weak opponents that probably really weren't, didn't have their heart in it. I mean, this is very difficult because it it is double digits. I mean, it's 10. That that number may go higher uh, for the weekend with the Saints being favored, but I don't see any way that the Bears stay in this game. I could be way off. This is usually when you get beat when you're you're picking these games against the spread, but... uh, I got to take the Saints here. I just I just don't see the Bears really being able to keep up. And the other thing is not a matter of keeping up. The Saints have a really good defense, and we know the Bears' offense is not good. This could be the ugliest game of the weekend. I already picked the Bucks to to blow out Washington. I don't think we're gonna see two blowout wins. Here's the thing. If Michael Thomas, if you tell me that Michael Thomas was playing and the Saints weren't banged up the way they are, I'd probably roll with you. But I just get the feeling. I realize that the Bears laid an egg against the Packers and they showed their true self, but they're in the playoffs. And I just think this naggy team, I'm not saying that the Bears are going to win. All right. Just want to make this clear. (laughs) The Saints will win this game. Okay. But I'm going to take the points, and I think that the Bears will lose by about a touchdown. And I just think they're going to do it the old-fashioned way, by running the ball and by playing good defense. And I just believe that that defense is going to keep the Bears in the game. Obviously, I would have felt a lot better about it if it was in the cold and it wasn't in the Saints' Superdome inside. But I do think that the Bears are one of those teams, in my opinion, that will have a chip on their shoulder. Nobody's giving no. them a shot. Everybody, everybody's saying that they're going to lose by about 45 because Sean Payton is is the greatest offensive mind in, in the entire world. 
not only the NFL, the entire world. But I'm going to take the Bears here. This isn't about going against you and continuing this theme. I actually somewhere convinced myself that this is the, the ultimate truth. And yeah, I'm, I'm going with Chicago here to cover the points. They're not going to win. But just to cover this. Well, I like that you're embracing my ugly game of the week theory. That's there's there always there is that ugly game. And this is the one. You know, it scares me to death. Like I said, I normally don't don't take the big favorite, but um, I don't know what it is about about the Bears that they get everybody excited. You know, oh yeah, maybe Trubisky can do it. No, he can't. He he's never he's never going to be you know a playoff winning quarterback. Yeah, you can win some games with him. He is athletic. And he can get out of the pocket and he can complete some passes. And we talk about this, you know, like Baker Mayfield. You know, I don't know, maybe Baker's a little bit better. I think he's a little bit more accurate than, than Mitchell. But it, it would be very difficult to sit there and watch. I mean, you're sitting there like hoping that, you know, that somehow that Breeze throws some interceptions or maybe the Bears get it. You know, Cordell Pat- Patterson returns a kick here somewhere or a pick six happens. I, it's just very difficult prospect. But, hey, it happens every week in the NFL. I don't know if it happens that much in the playoffs, but uh, I appreciate you embracing it. I, I really do, but uh, I have to take the favorite in this one. We've got one final game left on tap. I guess we've left the, the, the most competitive game. I mean, these teams are facing off a third time. They just played in Week 17 when the Browns beat them without Big Ben. And I'm talking about the Steelers versus the Browns. Uh, according to Bavada, Pittsburgh is minus six at home versus the Browns. You mentioned that that spread is way too low. You think that what we saw from the Browns this past week, I mean, they only won by two points against the Steelers without their starting quarterback, but you don't think that this is going to be a closer game just because these two teams know each other really well? No, and I think that's, I guess that gives me more reason to believe that the Steelers will crush them. Now, not that the Steelers have played great, but they seem to, you know, find themselves a little bit the last couple of games of the season. They sat half their team. And still, they were a two point conversion miss away from sending the game to overtime. Wow. And now Kevin Stefanski won't be there to coach the team. I mean, not only is he the head coach, but he's also the play caller. So now you've got Alex Van Pelt that'll be calling plays. Uh, The special teams coach is going to be the head coach. Other COVID issues, you know, with that Browns team. The Steelers, I don't know. I mean, Mike Tomlin, the standard is the standard, man. <laughs> Whoever plays, they need to step up and do their job. Now you, you know, TJ Watt comes back. You know, Ben's going to play. The receivers seem to have figured out catching the football. I mean, I've just seen too many Steelers Browns games go way one sided to the Steelers side. They're back in Pittsburgh. You talk about a team with a chip on their shoulder. They've kind of been written off, and they were the, like the number one seed for most of the season in the AFC. So I, you know, even though they can't run the ball, I just think uh, Ben will take care of it. Baker still, I think he's going to come into the game way overexcited, way too, uh, I guess, eager to make plays, and that's bad Baker. Even though Chubb had a pretty decent game, Hunt didn't get the ball as much. They still, it was it was tight, you know. I mean, it wasn't like they they were in control of the game. They let it they almost let it slip at the end, and I just don't see that. I mean, especially without the coach, that's that's going to be a tough one. That that is really going to be hard. Not Alex Van Pelt has done this before, obviously with with the Packers, with the with the Bills. I mean, he's he's been around. I mean, he's a smart dude, and I think he'll do a decent job. But I just think just that steady hand that Stefanski's had all year and kind of keeping that ship uh, going in the right direction, that's going to be a tough one to overcome. That line opened at three. It's jumped to six. I I can't see that being less than seven come Sunday night. So uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers. I'm tempted to take the Browns just because you and I have gone in different directions here. On every game. (laughs) Except this one. Except this one, Lou. I just, 
I think you make a really good argument and I don't think I have anything to add. And the fact that you won't have the main man in charge and Kevin Stefanski who could calm Baker down, who could focus on the running game in the playoffs because he knows that the Steelers don't have a running game of their own and they're just going to throw it all over the football field. I mean, Big Ben is going to throw the football 35, 40 times this game at least. And the only reason how you can keep that Steelers offense off the field is by running the ball with your two-man rotation. I just think that that's, that's a huge sell for me. Stefanski not being there, I would have taken minus three. I'll take minus six. I'll take minus ten. I just think <laughs> the Steelers are doubted. And right now, everybody, everybody's talking about the Chiefs, the Bills. And the Steelers are never in the conversation just because they basically limped into the playoffs. As crazy as that sounds. I mean, they clinched a long time ago, but they barely. I mean, we, we've seen them struggle over the past five or six games ever since that, that huge winning streak that they had to, to start the season. But I'll also take the Steelers here. No question about it. I just believe that uh, they'll come away with the win at home. All right. Very good. So in the first, what, one, two, three, four games, looks like I'm taking the dog and Alex is taking the favorite. Or no, he's taking the dog in the Saints-Bears game. And then we were in agreement on the Steelers over the Browns. Uh, just too much. Uh, Big Ben, Deontay, Juju, Claypool. Wow. Yeah, that's going to be a tough task for the Browns, especially with the COVID issues. And it's the worst time. I don't know that the league is going to move a playoff game. Unless, of course, there's more positive tests and they think it's an outbreak. But yeah, let's you know, knock on wood uh, that they're able to play the game and the Browns you know, are competitive. But I really think the Steelers are going to crush them. So Black Monday came. Uh, we had some more coaches axed. I think actually Gaze got fired uh, the night before, so they got a jump. Uh, Anthony Lynn is gone. Doug Marone's gone. Previously, uh, you know, Detroit has an opening. Houston's had an opening. Uh, Atlanta's had an opening for most of the, you know, for at least half the season. And that, I guess that those are the interesting ones is where the teams also have front office needs. And a lot of times that's when you start to see, okay, where is this coaching search going to go once they get that in place? Because typically that's what happens is these guys, who are you going to bring in? Guys that you know. Whatever the league puts into place, now they're kind of, they tweak the Rooney rule where I think now you have to bring in at least two uh, minority candidates. Looking at the list of guys that that are that are being brought in, a lot of times these names kind of are recycled, and I hate to sound cynical, but I can't think of any reason that Eric Bieniemy hasn't got a shot. Although he's on every team's list, and the cynic in me says, well, they all have to comply to the Rooney Rule, and I hate even thinking that. I can't think of any reason why he hasn't been offered a position yet because he's gone through this process a few years now. I mean, the Jets, I think, interviewed him last year or last time around. Now they're going to interview him again. So, I mean, what's changed other than now he's got a Super Bowl ring? Do you really need to speak to him a whole lot? But, hey, you, you have to comply. And And, again, I've brought this up before, and it, it may be way off base, but again, it's one of those things where you're kind of searching, hey, what could it be? What could it be? And I think maybe sometimes it's just optics. And if you watch a Chiefs game and you look at him, he's usually, you know, his hat's kind of, you know, off. He's got, he just looks disheveled, like almost disheveled. Now, the hoodie has made a, a career out of it, but, you know, he's like on another planet as far as coaches go. But I don't know if it's just his appearance that is shying teams away i don't know but there's a guy that you're like what what's going on why can't why can't he get a fair shake i think he's gonna get it this year which one i I just think one of these jobs look i think i think there's a possibility i know a lot of people are now connecting the houston texans with the belichick tree but i would much rather be connected with the andy reed coaching tree because he's had a lot more success than some of these belichick 
disciples, you know, is, as far as being a head coach. Look at Andy Reid's track record and the guys that have gone on to to have great success. Nagy, Peterson, right? He won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. So I would say that Eric Bieniemy is definitely going to be there, whether it's the Falcons or the Texans or the Jets. He's going to land one of those jobs. I'm almost certain of it because teams know about this. I mean, they want to copy the Chiefs. And if it has worked for the Bears, if it has worked for the Eagles in some sense, why wouldn't the Jets want to copy somebody like Andy Reid that, that is having so much success now with the with the Kansas City Chiefs? I think B enemy will definitely get a job. I just I'm curious what happens in some of these other places. If I was B enemy, I would want the Chargers job. Yeah. That's the one that I would be vying for. I think, for. Every, I think like, anybody that's I mean, now obviously there's only thirty two of these. And, but of the ones that are open, that's got to be the most attractive, don't you think? I mean, I don't know. The reputation of the Spanos family is that they don't spend a lot on coaches. That may have to change this year. But as far as just pure from a pure football sense, that's got to be the gem, right? You have a good defense there in place. And you're going to get Derwin James back. And hopefully he'll settle in and, and become a big-time contributor but you found a quarterback. That's half the battle. That's probably 75% of the battle. You struck gold with that sixth overall pick in Justin Herbert. I'm sure Eric Bieniemy, Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, are wishing that they get this job because you can open up the offense. You can make him even better than what he was during his rookie season. You can work around his strengths. And again, that's half of the battle. That team has been close the last two years. They've blown a lot of late leads in the fourth quarter. If they get the right guy who can manage the clock and keep the turnovers down, and Justin Herbert has never had a problem throwing a lot of interceptions, that's never been his forte in college. And I don't think he's... It's going to rear its ugly head in the NFL. We haven't seen that during his rookie season. I just think that's the job that I would want if I'm one of those offensive coordinators that I mentioned. I'm just curious where the Jets are going to go because the Jets had a lot of success with Rex Ryan as its head coach if we're talking about recent success, right? I mean, Rex Ryan took this team to the playoffs with Mark Sanchez as his quarterback. And the reason why is because the Jets had a great defense. And this was during the Patriots era. They have to go back to the well. It didn't work with Adam Gase as an offensive coach. You have to go defense here. Uh, You can draft a quarterback and get an offensive coordinator in there, but I just think you have to bring in like a a tough, nailed, you know, defensive-minded coach that's going to be able to battle, you know, the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins and the Patriots. I've got two candidates. I've got Robert Sala, my defensive coordinator of the 49ers, who's been with Pete Carroll before. I mean, this guy... The way he has persevered this year with all the Niners injuries, he's done a fantastic job. And we all know what he did last year by helping Kyle Shanahan get to that Super Bowl. Or go with a guy like Don Martindale. He's a Ravens defensive coordinator. He's been with that organization for nine years. He's been their defensive coordinator for three. He is a Rex Ryan prodigy. He is that aggressive, fiery coach that likes to blitz, he'll bring that physical brand of football to the New York Jets. And I just think it it makes a lot of sense for them to go with either Robert Sala or Don Martindale. That's that's why I think that's where the Jets should go. Well, I agree because not necessarily a defensive-minded coach or offensive-minded coach or whatever – Granted, if you're going to hire a coordinator, they're going to have a leaning one way or the other. But at the end of the day, you have to bring in somebody that's a true leader that can get, again, get the, I guess, the culture of the team. And I think that's kind of where the the Jets were were messed up because Adam Gaze, you know, he may be a, a very good offensive coach, maybe a great X and O's guy, but he's not a people guy, it doesn't seem like. He's very aloof. It doesn't seem to communicate as well as you would you would hope. You need somebody that can deliver a message. And and again, you look at a guy like Joe Judge or like everybody when he got hired, it was like, who the hell is this guy? 
but I think he knows who he is. He knows what he wants his team to be, and that's what they do. There's no question. So, and then you bring in people that can coach these other parts of the team. I guess the interesting part was when we were talking about the charges was they interviewed Jason Garrett. Oh, Not no. that that shocked me, but it was actually kind of refreshing that it wasn't one of these hot coordinator types or whatever. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, he actually did a fairly decent job with the Cowboys. Couldn't get him over the hump. So, I mean, that's that's always going to be a strike against them. You had all this talent. Why couldn't you win the playoffs? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Again, I don't think that's going to be like their hire, but it was just interesting to see that they did that. As far as the Jets are concerned, I think Don Martindale would probably be a great candidate he's another name that has done a great job on his side of the ball but his name hasn't been linked really hardly anywhere at this point now again it's still early in the process but i had a couple here with with question marks somebody like you know is todd bowles going to get another chance or at least a chance to interview for a head job I think Raheem Morris, he, Atlanta definitely gave him a formal interview, although his interview may have been his interim status, and you rarely see that translate in the NFL from interim to, okay, you're going to be our new coach. But I think he may have he may have an interview somewhere else, maybe Detroit. Detroit's talked to Marvin Lewis. So I'm looking at, at names that just aren't like the, the hot ones, so to speak, like we talked about Biennemi and Dable and Sala. Uh, Joe Brady, you know, a couple of years ago, he's like an offensive assistant or whatever at LSU. And now two years later, he's being talked about as a head coaching candidate. <laughs> that, that was a meteoric rise. But Jim Caldwell, he won a lot of games in Detroit, but I don't know. At some point, they got rid of him. Is he too quiet? He's, he's a lot like Tony Dungy, but you know, a leader of men, so to speak. So it'd be interesting to see if, if, if he gains any traction during this process. You know, Arthur Smith, uh, Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator for the Rams, but again, pretty still a fairly young guy. Dan Campbell, whose name was really hot a few years ago. He's an assistant coach at New Orleans. I think he coaches the tight ends, but he's coached, I think, on both sides of the ball throughout his career. You know, might he get one of these shots? Hard to say. And then Jacksonville, do you really think Urban Meyer is going to do this? We talked about it, I think, on previous shows, and it just, there are no other names linked to that job right now. So is it Jacksonville leaking this out? Is it his agent leaking this out? You know, like he's assembling a staff. What, wouldn't he have to answer a lot of questions about, you know, hey, are you going to be here for the long haul? If you, you're not used to losing, what happens you know, that first year when we go 4-12 and 12 and, you know, your quarterback, your young quarterback is struggling, you know, what's what's going to happen? So that, a lot of interesting stuff happening here. I guess when we start at the top, Houston is the one that now is going to reek of Patriots. And it, that's just frightening. And I and I hate to see that for Deshaun Watson because it, it just seems like they're regurgitating this. That's going to be probably the least attractive job because you've got no salary cap space. You've got no draft picks. And all you got is Deshaun Watson. Now let's talk about Jacksonville a little bit. It does seem like Urban Meyer is the only name connected there. It's like 12 mil a year. That seems to be the, uh, the, the consensus out there. I just think if Urban Meyer takes this job, he's, he's going to be there for like two years max. And it's not because he didn't win. It's just this is a project. The Jacksonville Jaguars job, it's bad, Lou. You can draft Trevor Lawrence all you want, but and the Colts can tell you this. I mean, they drafted Peyton Manning. They drafted Andrew Luck, but it's going to take time. This team is bad. You've got Robinson at running back. You've got a couple of wide receivers, young wide receivers, and DJ Chark. They drafted LaVisca Chanel, who showed some promise this year. But that defense is terrible. They need more pieces. You can draft Trevor well, they Lawrence got rid of all, all you want. <laughs> but you just you don't have that defense. You got to rebuild it all over again. And and tell me this: if Urban Meyer goes five and eleven during his first year, what is he going to do? Is he going to walk away because he's not used to this? 
because he has to realize that this is like a three-year project. There's no way you're going to get Jacksonville into the playoffs in that first year, or second year, or probably third year at the very best, even if you draft well, if you find a good GM, right? But I'll tell you this. If Urban Meyer passes on this job, you mentioned Marvin Lewis. He would be like my second guy because Marvin Lewis would show patience. He, he coached for the Bengals out there. He had to show uh, patience because that front office is not a real front office. So Marvin Lewis is a very patient man. And the things that he did with the Bengals, I just think he's going to bring in that culture. He's a defensive coach. And he's going to be able to slowly rebuild that defense. And then you draft Trevor Lawrence number one overall, bring in a, a good offensive coordinator who is going to be able to work with him. To me, the logical choice is Marvin Lewis because he's going to stay past that third year. I think Urban Meyer is just there, I hate to say it, make some more money and then walk away into the sunset into that Fox booth. Maybe not talking about college football anymore, maybe talking about the NFL on the bigger stage. But I just, I don't see how Urban Meyer can can last, you know, more than two or three years with his health concerns. Well, when Shad Khan, I think he like made a comment about, you know, being more involved in the, you know, the major decisions with the team and having a pulse, you know, that's not going to turn anybody on. You know, this guy who, you know, great. I mean, I'm sure he's very successful in what he did. He's made billions of dollars. They talk about, you know, potentially moving this team to London because he's, you know, he owns soccer teams over there that usually when prior to pandemic and uh, the NFL's playing games in England, I mean, Jacksonville is one of the teams that goes over there every single year. It's just, it's it's a strange one. You're getting the Jerry Jones vibes here, A little right? bit. I mean, Maybe not as overt and not his own radio show and every little thing, but just him saying that prior to the, the search for a new GM and coach just seemed really strange to come out and say that because now it's like, who would want that? I mean, especially somebody like Urban Meyer. If he's going to come out of retirement, if he's going to put his health on the line, I would imagine not only would he need to pick his own GM, but you know, it's be like, okay, let us do our jobs. We'll make the decisions and you just you know basically pay the bills and watch us do our thing. Well, there are only six jobs available. Right now. Do you think Nagy is safe? I do think he's safe. I, I think they'll give him an extra I don't. Year. I do. If they get crushed on Sunday, you know, even if they don't, I don't even know if, if Pace survives this. I mean, it's... No, I think Pace is gone. I think Pace is gone. I think Trubisky is gone. I think Nagy is going to buy himself a little more time by saying, hey, I got this team into the oh, playoffs. Gosh. Look what I've done. <laughs> he didn't get well, him into the playoffs. I mean, the... even if... Come on, now. He, he did get him into the playoffs. I mean, you got to well, give him credit. In, it's not the Arizona there, Cardinals. Okay. It's the Chicago All Bears. right. Okay. All right. Uh, what? I think the only one we didn't talk about was, uh, well, what about Atlanta? That might be a spot for for Bianami. I don't know if I don't know that he would want to go to Houston. More than likely, he's not going to go to Los Angeles just because I don't see him staying in the same division as Andy Reid. I I just don't see him doing that. I think for him, it's gonna it's gonna be Atlanta or bust. Well, I do think that Bianami is. I, I mentioned that I think the Falcons are a good landing spot for him. And I think either whether he chooses to keep Matt Ryan or not, we, we don't know that. That will depend on who the next GM is as well. But I also think Atlanta has got to look at those fiery defensive coaches. I mean, Robert Sala has is, is got to be on their list as well just because the, the Falcons, they, they haven't had good defense in seems like forever. And people are saying, why would you go defensive coach again for the Atlanta Falcons? It hasn't worked the last two Two times they, they've tried with, with Mike Smith and, uh, you know, with Dan Quinn. But I do think that it just it hasn't worked. And uh, I would still go, like, with the defensive guy here just because I know I still have some pieces on offense. Get a talented offensive coordinator. But I do think that this is the job that Eric Bieniemy should covet. 
for for Bienemy if he has a choice. So again, it, it's it's hard to say with the again with the Rooney rule and everything else. I hate to sound cynical, but it just there's something gnawing at me about the, the whole situation with him and and how teams are viewing him. Uh, just a review, real quick. Last week there was we gave out seven games. Five and two was the record. Uh, Buffalo, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, and the football team were the winners. Uh, Tennessee and Kansas City were the losers. So 2020 and one for the season. Coming into the playoffs, this looks like uh, yeah, we might have a chance here. Going to a lot of dogs, but you know, a couple favorites too. That's going to do it for us this week. Have a great time watching these playoff games. I know we will. And as always, on the way out, we wish you peace. <laughs>